0: For the consecutive reading of Scripture, continuing in Proverbs, and a personal note here too, I don't know if my wife remembers this, but I do. Uh, The passage we're about to read was chosen by her father, my father-in-law, to preach at our wedding. So it was was the sermon text for our wedding. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse... 15 to the end of the chapter. This is the Father instructing his Son, the Father in heaven instructing us. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing waters from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always with her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. God make us wise not to follow that path of folly. So we're going to read shortly from Ephesians chapter 4, but before we do... Before we do, <laughs> pages unsorted here. Uh, please join me in prayer for God's blessing on His Word. Let us pray. <laughs> here we are. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful that You have not sealed the heavens against us. To leave us in our ignorance, our darkness, our blind rebellion. That you have shed abroad the light of the knowledge of you, our God, and of your Son, Jesus Christ. And by your Holy Spirit, you have brought us to put our trust in him. And so we pray, O Lord as your apostle prayed for the church in Ephesus so long ago. That you would now give to us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Christ, your Son. That you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts that we may know more and more what is the hope to which you have called us, what are the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us who believe, according to the working of your great might that you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at your right hand in the heavenly places. Grant these works of your spirit to us, O Lord, now as we read your word and consider its meaning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 4, we will read the whole chapter and then the first two verses of chapter 5. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, or a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace has been given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, What does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you heard him and were taught in him or by him, as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old man, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new man created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness therefore having put away falsehood let each of you speak truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore be imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love, as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. God bless us and glorify himself through our hearing the word and how we respond. You may be aware that Ephesians is kind of a two-part book. First part, chapters one through three, uh, very doctrinal, very glorious. Reformed people love chapters one through three. <laughs> There's the doctrine of election there in neon lights and other wonderful things. Uh, <clears throat> But as Paul has unfolded the salvation planned by God for his people from all eternity and has talked also about the bringing together of Jews who believe in Christ and Gentiles to the ends of the earth who believe in Christ into one new man, a new creation, the church of Jesus Christ in this world, he now comes to what some people call the application of his sermon. Uh, what does all this mean for how we live? You see that in verse 1. But the passage we read, we didn't stop at the end of the chapter because uh, whoever made the chapter divisions put it in the wrong place. <laughs> it belongs after 5-2 because 5-1 and 2 is really it's really the climax of this whole uh, section and the climax of the admonitions that end it, that we are to set our gaze upon God himself as children who know that he loves us. We are to meditate on the way that Christ loves us and how he gave himself up for us and let these meditations and these considerations govern how we conduct our lives in love walk in love as christ loved us and gave himself up for us now what we read is so rich that i'm not even going to try to cover all the points that could be made it would be like a 10-week sermon maybe or a series of sermons but I do want to highlight some things that relate to the subject of walk in love. And we'll begin with verse 1. We'll begin with verse 1, where we learn that God calls sinners. That's us. God, in calling sinners to Christ, to faith in Christ, also calls us to a new way of life, a way in which we should walk. Walking in Paul's letters means how you conduct your life. And how do we conduct our life? Well, we're to conduct our lives in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Worthy of the man, worthy... conduct your life in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Uh, That doesn't mean make yourselves deserving. We sometimes use the word worthy in that sense. It doesn't mean that. But conduct your life in a way that flows out of and comports with what God has called you to in Christ. Live now in keeping with God's calling Christ no longer living verse 17 through 19 as you did live when you were just lost Gentiles living in darkness we heard the passage from chapter 2 on that Uh, without hope and without God in the world until Christ came and purchased peace for us. And then he came and preached peace to us. How did Christ preach peace? Okay, I'm doing what I didn't want to do. I'm getting into details we don't need to cover here. Now, where where are we to live this new life? Well, that's what chapter 4, 2 through 16 tells us. Right here. I don't mean right here in this building. What I mean is we are to live... The life to which Christ has called us, to which God has called us in Christ, we are to live that life in fellowship with each other in Christ's church. And so he talks about how we relate to one another with some admonitions, talks about the gifts that God has given that the church might grow, talks about things that, and attitudes that we must have that we might contribute to the way that the church grows. This, this congregation, in a very concrete way, is a a small slice of that great church into which we've been called, but it's here that you have been called to live together your new life in Christ and try to help to build each other up in it. But point number two, got a problem. And that is when God brought you and me to saving faith in Christ, he didn't instantly change us into sinless angels. Uh, far from it. We are redeemed sinners. Born again sinners. Forgiven sinners. We have been made new in Christ. We are indwelt By the spirit that he gives us, that he purchased for us in his death on the cross. But we are still beset with old attitudes that we've brought into our new life in Christ. Old habits that we often are not even aware of because after all, habits are habits. They just function automatically until someone points it out to you or the Holy Spirit convicts you of it. But old habits... Old emotional responses to provocations, moral and spiritual weakness, sinful desires. All these things still cling to us. They still, they're still they indwelling sins. My wife's father used to say, the old man is dead. He was crucified in Christ, but his rotting corpse is still with you stinking up your life he didn't use stinking up your life that wouldn't have been victorian he was victorian but uh yeah that's the way it is so and this is certainly implied by paul in his exhortations if we were made perfect in conversion we wouldn't need to be patient and forbearing with each other there'd be nothing to forbear and no one would have to tell us to be humble and gentle We just would be, wouldn't we? Uh, And why do we have to be told to speak the truth in love? Because, well, we're tempted to speak the truth in a sinful way. And why do we have to be told to stop lying? Not to let anger fester and go undealt with? Not to steal? Not to run people down with our mouths? To get rid of bitterness and anger and slander and malice. Why do we have to be told these things? Because they are native to us. And in varying ways, we're all different. And to varying degrees, we all struggle with some, maybe all, of these things. Now, the other important truth you need to see from Scripture, I think it's implied and understood in the passage we are reading, but it is made clear in Roman in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 18, it's God, it's God who puts imperfect and sinful people, that's us, who puts these people together in His church as He pleases. First Corinthians 12:18. It's in a passage that's talking about the varieties of gifts that God has given, but I think it applies to what we're saying now. God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. You know, if you want to join a community, good works club like the Optimists or something like that, you've got to get people to vouch for you and they're going to vote if they like your personnel, if you fit in. God doesn't ask us, well, does this person who wants to join the church fit in? God brings people to Christ, and he brings them into his church as it suits him. And what that means is, we're just a briar patch. We're just a briar patch. All our thorns poking each other. No, not all the time, and not always deeply, but we are thorny people because of our sin, and we poke each other with our sins. Sometimes pretty badly. But this thorny briar patch is where God tells us to walk in love as Christ has loved you. We don't get to excuse not loving because the other people are hard to love i'm hard to love i can't excuse not loving you because you're hard to love but what does this you know what does this tempt us to point number 3 let's be honest it's so easy for us to Let the bad behavior of other Christians and church members get under our skin. Crabby people, maybe. Self-centered people. Look-at-me people. Gossipy people. Lazy people. Bossy people. Self-righteous and hypercritical people. Oh, all those sins that others are committing... Uh, And to be perfectly honest, I hope you can be perfectly honest, with God's help, we let those irritable behaviors, even sins, move us to respond in kind and justify the way we respond in kind. Watch out. It's easy to see the other guy's irritating habits Bad behavior, but have you watched how you react to these things? There might be a log in your eye there. We naturally react to sin with sin, to irritation with anger, and so on. This is a natural, that is to say, fallen man in Adam natural. This is a natural natural reaction to other people's sin. Rather than responding to sin with sin and irritation with anger, another another just as bad way of responding is to just go away. Maybe literally leave the church. Maybe figuratively, just withdraw into yourself and not care about other people, and not care about being reconciled to other people. Because we have another problem, this is related to our pride and our self-centeredness, we want life... To be hassle-free. And our culture is working overtime to make that easy. You just sit at home and watch TV or spend your free time absorbed in social media and ignore real People and real problems sitting next to you in the body of Christ into which God has put you and them. So we are called to love as Christ loved us in the thorns. Uh, What's the sermon title? Oh, yes, Love Among the Thorns. That's not a Bodice Ripper novel title. <laughs> Thought about that after I came up with it. <clears throat> Each one of us needs to look not at the sins of others, but needs to look at ourselves, call upon the Holy Spirit to give us eyes to see ourselves in the light of Scripture, to measure ourselves by the Word of God, We need to look at ourselves and our sins and repent of our sins, not repent of someone else's sins. And so the fourth point is love. We need to love one another as Christ loved us in very concrete ways. Very concrete ways. Uh, John in 1 John 3 puts it this way. Little children, let us love not in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. (laughs) Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And he gives the example in 1 John 3 of Christ who laid down his life for his brethren because he loved us. Therefore, greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for another. How far does Christ want us to go in loving one another as he has loved us? Well, if circumstances governed by God, the providence of God require it, and we have to lay down our life for a brother or sister, even if you don't like them, that's what you're called, you may be called to do. And, Christian brothers and sisters in other parts of this world are, are facing that very thing. Give us a list of all the people in your, in your home, in your, in, your secret, in your secret home church. I won't do it. Oh, well, we'll have to arrest your wife and put your children in a state school then. Now tell. I won't do it. Well, we're going to beat your bare feet with bamboo sticks until you do. I mean, this this is happening. (laughs) It doesn't happen to us, thank God, but we are under pressure in ways that we're often not even aware of until after the fact, and then we're ashamed that we caved in. Uh, That uh, there are ways that we have failed to be faithful, ways that we have failed to live up to the calling that God has given us in His Son, Jesus Christ. So we need to do what? We need to constantly turn our focus to Christ and his persistent love, his persistent love for you and me despite our persistent sinning. It's an amazing grace, isn't it? Wonderful love. It doesn't come to us naturally. It's only possible through the work of the Holy Spirit beginning with regeneration and faith in Christ. Well, let's look at some of the concrete ways that uh, Ephesians 4 points us to that are really ways of loving each other. Uh, First, at the beginning of the chapter, humility and gentleness. Humility. That is, willing to put others first. Willing to put yourself in the other person's shoes before judging their motives and conduct. Willing to be entreated, willing to be corrected because you know you can be wrong. What an amazing idea. Uh, Willing to confess your faults and seek forgiveness. Requires the work of the Holy Spirit enabling us to do this, but that's what it means to be humble in the way Scripture is talking about. Gentleness. The opposite of speaking the truth in love is to speak the truth with harshness. You are miserable reprobate, how can you claim to be a Christian when you say that or do that? That's always a winning approach to helping someone come to repentance for their sin. Here's our Lord Jesus as revealed in Isaiah 42, but then Matthew 12. We'll come to that in about two years. Uh, <laughs> as, Ma- as Matthew 12 uh, says, Jesus withdrew from there. He, just healed. he had just healed a man from a withered hand on the Sabbath, and the Jewish leaders are mad at him for breaking the Sabbath, not realizing that he's the one who gave the Sabbath commandment knows how it ought to be kept. Okay, so Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. Ha ha. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. He's not going to lead riots in the cause of the kingdom of God. But a bruised reed he will not break. Now, I don't know if you know much about, breeds, about, about reeds. I only know what I've read in commentaries. But reeds are very fragile. And you know if you throw a stone into a river 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 bank where reeds are growing all over and you hit one it's bruised uh it'll die it'll break easily a bruised reed this weak weak thing he will not break a smoldering wick this i know something about from camping and using uh coleman lanterns Uh, you know when a wick burns down you can see the wick with this webbing and, and, and everything but It's gone. The part that burned, it's gone. But before you blew on it, look like a wick. And that's what he's saying. Even something as delicate and fragile as that, he will not quench. Until he brings justice to victory in his name, the Gentiles will hope. We are to be gentle with one another. Gentle in the way we deal with each other, and the way we deal with problems. Be patient and forbearing, as people must be with you, as God is with you. How long does it take a new Christian to discover some sin that everybody else can see? As long as it takes the Holy Spirit to work sanctification in him on that, in, in that area, now God may use you or another Christian brother or sister to help him see it, but be patient. Be patient with one another. Forbear one another. A lot of this doesn't have to do so much with sin as with things that, by which we just irritate each other. Uh, cultural differences can be can become a problem. Multicultural church is a beautiful thing. It's like heaven. It's a picture of heaven. But with cultural differences, we can step on each other. toes, still not even know it. And rather than being offended, forbear. Forbear. Bear with one another patiently. Then jumping down, speaking the truth in love. It's really two parts of that, aren't there? Speaking the truth. So we don't fail to address something that really needs to be addressed. You know, you're not loving somebody who's put on roller skates and wants to head down the Broadway to destruction. Uh, You're not loving him by saying, well, have a good trip. You need to intervene. But speak the truth in... Love. What's the motive? The motive is to love and do good, to help and to restore. And jumping down further, verse 25 be honest and truthful with each other. That is not always easy. Uh, Be honest and truthful with each other in love. You know, one reason that we would not be truthful is because we want to hide something that somebody might be really upset about in our behavior, or past, or something like that. And we need to be willing to be open with each other, trust each other. And uh, But the other reason we might not be honest with each other is the sinful tendency to Massage the truth in order to manipulate other people. Uh, Get our way by pretending things are different than they are. Uh, Persuade them to do something or to overlook something. Well, could go on endlessly with examples. He goes on to speak about anger. Uh, Deal with anger righteously and with grace rather than letting it fester. It's very important in marriages newlyweds, uh, but also oldly weds like my wife and me. Uh, It's very important, very important not to let anger fester. And certainly within the church, not to let anger fester, build up until somebody's ready to just blow up and uh, spew poison all over the relationship and make it five times, ten times harder to handle the problem. Uh, what he says to thieves, or people who were thieves, I think we can boil it down to this. You need to be a giver and not a taker. He didn't say, he's not a good Republican who says, stop taking from other people, work with your own hands so that you can meet your own needs. No, he does say that in First Thessalonians. Yeah, first Thessalonians, I think, four. But here he says, work with your own hands at an honest job so that you can give to the person in need. What is the reason for working? Build my estate? Ensure my retirement? Well, it's not sinful, but to be able to give to those who are in need, to be able to give to the church in its need for the funds to finance the preaching of the gospel to the ends of the earth, and to uh, give to those uh, who are in need in the church and often in the community also. Uh, Stop bad-mouthing people. Isn't Facebook wonderful? You can say to people on Facebook or about people on Facebook, so you would never say to their face. It's so easy. Uh, and it can be so wicked. Uh, What is the attitude we are to have to civil authorities? Respect them because God put them in their position of authority, and you owe respect for them because God put them in that position? Right? You know that? It's in the Bible. You get on Facebook, do you know what the president said yesterday? (laughs) What a dope! Or things much worse. Uh, and a couple of times I've kind of chided people on Facebook because uh, they claim to be Christians, but you know they're speaking this way about the president or somebody in authority. Boy, do I get jumped on! <laughs> uh, well, we should choose words and seek to speak in ways that will build people up and might be used by the Holy Spirit to minister grace to their hearts. Again, it may be a hard truth that you have to speak. But you can speak it gently and in love. You can be direct, but gentle and loving in doing so. And then the big one at the end of the chapter, verses 32 and 33, is kind of a basket. Put away all bitterness, wrath, anger, malice. I think I left one out. But, you know, these are just surging attitudes of the heart that we, you know, we probably acquired these reactions and responses to people and situations as children growing up. uh, They become habits But they don't commend the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't help fellow Christians or anybody else. They just let us vent, or worse. And, you know, we can get into a, you know, a dissertation uh, nuancing the idea of, well, you know, there is righteous anger. Look at Jesus. We could do that. But uh, Paul isn't doing that here. He's saying, Put away all bitterness, wrath, anger, malice. Because for us, right, 99% of the time, our anger cannot claim to be righteous. It's something else. And we need to recognize that and not justify it. But with each other, certainly with our families, with people in the world, put on kindness, compassion, a forgiving spirit, as you have been forgiven by God in Christ, he says. Now, all of these are concrete ways. Given to us by Paul, we make a much longer list. We could go on for another hour, but you don't want to do that. Uh, These are concrete ways in which the Apostle Paul wants the church and Ephesus and the Holy Spirit wants us, who are reading this, uh, to pray for the Spirit's help, to spend time, quality time with Christ and the Word, to meditate on the Word, to pray about our own sins, and by God's grace, learn to love as Christ has loved us and gave himself for us a sweet smelling sacrifice uh, and aroma to God. That's a beautiful picture. I think we've covered it, so let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we truly are weak spiritually and morally, uh, we so easily deceive ourselves and persuade ourselves that our reactions to people and circumstances are okay when they're definitely not okay. And so we pray, O Lord, that you would help us to saturate our minds and inform our consciences, uh, to train our wills in how we respond to Reign in our emotions, that they might be governed by you, by your truth. And in all these various ways, grow in love for you and also grow in love for one another. Because this is the way you and Jesus, your son, have loved us. We pray, oh God, for this blessing on your church here. On every true church of Jesus Christ. We pray in his name, amen.